I've been under um, appointment in the Methodist Church for 16 years. Um, previous to that, I worked as a youth pastor uh, for two years, uh, primarily at Raymond United Methodist Church. So I've, I've been serving uh, churches in some capacity for, eight, for 18 years, roughly. Um, in that 18-year period, there's really only been twice where me and the Lord had a conversation. I told God, I, I can't do this. I'm done. That's only happened twice, which for ministers is actually not that frequent. Uh, well, I've had that, you know, every day when I get to work, I have the same conversation with myself. And I'm, I'm just kidding. It's usually when I see Tim, I have the conversation. No, I'm just kidding. That, was that funnier than my first one? No. Okay, <laughs> uh, okay worth a try. First, when I, one, of the, one of those times when I was in my Philadelphia appointment, because I was young and um, I, I was still finding my voice as a preacher. I was still trying to figure out not, not how to preach, but figure out who I was as a preacher. I'm, I don't know if you know this about me. I have a very unique preaching style. Uh, it's kind of just me. And uh, I, I wasn't good at it when I started there. As one of my ladies told me my last Sunday, she said, Preacher, say so you're not any good now, but you're better than when you got here. I said, thanks but it was tough it was tough trying to find my voice and figure out who I was and I, me, me and the Lord had some conversations I said God I, I don't know if I can do this but I, I was finding my way but the worst is when I was at Raymond I was um, youth pastor at Raymond and if you, if you go on the internet after the service or maybe if the sermon's so good during the sermon and google the phrase worst youth minister ever I'm pretty sure my picture will pop up. Y'all, this isn't like me being falsely humble. I wasn't very good. I just wasn't. I was young and stupid. Now I'm just older and stupid, but, but I just wasn't good. I was working full-time at the Baptist bookstore. I managed the stock room there. Um, and so I was working 40, 60 hours a week there doing youth ministry on the weekends at the church. I was young. I was unorganized. I had zero confidence. I just, I just was not good. I really, and that's not me trying to, I'm serious. I told the Lord, I said, if I, if I had not had a strong sense of calling, if I had not had that moment in my mind where I knew that God had called me to ministry, I would have been done because I just wasn't good. And it was Difficult. It was so difficult. And I remember I've always, I've always liked sanctuaries. I love I love sanctuaries. I just love being in them. And if you ever come looking for me on a weekday and I'm not in my office, odds are I'll be in here, just sitting and thinking and praying. I love a sanctuary. And so when I was at Raymond, I lived right across the street. Behind, I rented a house from some church members. I lived right across the street, and I, I remember. One night when I was just so frustrated and so down on myself and so much doubting if I could do this. I remember I, I walked across the, the street to the church, and, and the Raymond Church is a beautiful church you've ever been in. It's a beautiful church. And I, I remember I walked in, and I, I went to the front altar, and I was praying. I was like, Lord, I don't know, God. I think I'm out. This is a mistake. I think I'm out. I don't think I can do this. I remember I, I was praying. I was pouring my heart out to God. And, and, and something, either an angel from outside or a divine intervention or maybe a street light. Some light came through the window and it landed on the font at the church. It's like the Lord told me this. You're doing it wrong. 
You're trying to do it through your own strength. You're trying to do it through your own goodness. You're trying to do it through your own ability. And you're going to fail doing it like that. You will leave the ministry if that's how you do it. You don't do it based off who you are. You do it out of the marking that I have placed on you. Remember your baptism. I heard the Lord tell me that. You don't do this ministry thing out of your own strength or out of your own power or out of your own goodness. You do it out of the gift of God. The gift of his marking, the gift of his claiming, the gift of his grace. It's not you, it's him. I had a friend of mine when I was in college take a missionary trip. She was going to, um, going to China to study English dialects of Chinese cultures. That was her cover story. She was actually going as a missionary. And when you go as a missionary to China, you've got to have a cover story. Because, you know, they don't like Christians there. And so she was going to start churches. And so we had a going away, going away party for her. And it was, you know, it was scary. I mean, you don't, you know, China doesn't take kindly to stuff like that. So we had a going away party, and everybody wrote her a little note to remember, to encourage her. And I wrote on the back of her card, I said, wrote her name, I said, remember your baptism. What? Of all the things I could have chosen, I could have, I could have written some inspirational scripture. Or I could have written something else. Of all the things I chose, I said, remember your baptism? When I was most depressed about ministry and most this close, a good stiff wind would have knocked me out, I remembered my baptism? Of all the stuff, why, why that? Why that? In the great theological movie, Toy Story, uh, you may remember, the story of two toys, or a bunch of toys, but primarily Buzz and Andy. I mean, Buzz and Woody. And, you know, Buzz thinks he's a real, a real, real space whatever he was, space... What was he? A space what? Space ranger. I couldn't remember what he was. Space something. And, and he thought he was real. Thought he was a real space guy. He was gonna. He wasn't a toy. He was real. And Woody the whole time was like, "No, no, you're a toy. You're a toy. You're plastic." And the whole movie, he was not real. No, you're a toy. No, you're real. And finally, towards the end, Butters realizes he's just a toy. And he's upset and giving up hope. And then, and then Woody says this: "No, you're not just any toy." You're Andy's toy. Look at your foot. And on his foot, the little boy named Andy had taken a marker and written his name on there and said, you are my toy. You're mine. Remember your baptism. Because in that moment, God marked you as his very own that nothing can take it away, neither height nor depth nor things present nor things to come nor anything in all of creation can take that marking off of you. You are his. My ministry flows not from my own goodness. My ministry flows not from my own ability. My ministry flows not from my own, own giftedness. My ministry flows only because of the grace of Jesus Christ. 
My ministry is established. My ministry is only and completely about this God who rescued me and saved me. And how can I keep from singing your name when he has marked me as his very own, not because of me, but because of him? Our life, our everything is all about that marking. He has claimed you as your very, his very own. Remember your baptism. He has marked you. He has claimed you. And nothing can change that. Nothing can reverse that. Nothing can stop that. You are his. I tell people that um, really, you know, Holly can never get mad at me because she, she's the one that said I do. I mean, she could have said no. So really, whatever happens is as much on her as it is on me because uh, she agreed to marry me. That's kind of what was she thinking. She puts up with me. And, you know, sometimes I'll buy her flowers, do something nice for her, not because I'm in trouble. Sometimes because I'm in trouble, but not always. Sometimes I just do it because, wow. I mean, she loves me. My, one of those life-changing moments for me was um, we'd been married about six months. I did something stupid. I don't remember what it was, just something dumb. And I, I grew up, um, you know, I learned early people can leave. I learned early bad things can happen. Yeah. That's the way your life goes. So my, one of my greatest fears growing up was being abandoned, being left alone, having those I love leave me. So the first time I did something stupid and she didn't leave, I was like, you mean what, she's going to stick around? This is awesome. My, it forever changed my heart. So sometimes I just want to say thank you to her for putting up with me. Y'all, that's ministry. That's our commitment that's what, we're, that's what we do in this time. So, hear me, church, hear me. We don't want your money. I mean, we kind of do, as you know, we heard this morning, but we don't. This, this, this is not about money. This is not about money. We are not a club. These are not dues. You don't pay dues to church. We don't, we don't want your time. We really don't. Honestly, here's the thing, y'all. This is about you. This is about you. Because God claimed you. God marked you. God made you his very own. And so, like on Sundays, I don't have to preach. I get to preach. And I don't know if you can tell. I, that's a big difference. People that have to preach don't usually want to. People that get to can't wait. You, you don't have to give. In fact, you don't, we don't want your money. We want you. God wants you. Your, your money is trivial because if he has you, he'll have your money. It's not about money. It's about Jesus. It's not about your, it's not about your schedule. It's about Jesus. And if it's about Jesus, it all works out. So if you can honestly, if you have honestly prayed about it, you've honestly sought his face, he tells you not to give, then don't give. Seriously. 
If you have sought God's face and you have given your sincere prayer to God, and he says, don't give a dime, don't give a dime. Because it's not about that. It's about being obedient to Jesus Christ. Everything flows from that. Everything. That's why our baptism is so important. Because he has marked us. And he has claimed us. And he has said, you are mine. And even if you make your bed in hell, still there I'll find you. Because you are mine. We don't have to give. We get to give. We don't have to serve. We get to serve. Because God is good. God is good all the time. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thou rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou anointest my head. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. So, see, God's not just good when the stuff's good. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. God does not leave nor forsake his children no matter what. So how can I keep from singing? How can I keep from serving? How can I keep from giving when I am aware of the awesomeness, the greatness, the power, the glory, the majesty of our God? Take it all. Take it all. My life in your hands, oh God. Because what else is there? When we've got Jesus, y'all, you can have all this world. But give me Jesus. Nothing else matters. That, my friends, is where stewardship comes from. That, my friends, is where serving comes from. That, my friends, is where life itself comes from. The name of Jesus. The one who has marked us as his very own. I asked the staff during our weekly staff meetings. I like, um, I like real-time feedback. I really I value... I value feedback a lot. And I, uh, I say, what, what, you know, how are things going? What's working right with stewardship? What's working wrong? How can we adjust it and change it? And yada, yada, yada. And one of the interesting feedback things I heard this week was, Andy, some folks would love to hear, um, what is your specific vision for our church? Well, that's a good question. And I thought, a lot, I thought a lot about it and prayed about it this week. What is, what is my specific vision for St. Matthew's? And I, I'll be honest with you, y'all, we're still hanging up pictures on our house. I mean, like, we literally have pictures in our bedroom that haven't been hung yet. So there's a lot of things here that I'm still not, don't have clarity where we're going. But I begin to think, Lord, what, what, what do you want for our church? What do you want for St. Matthew's? Where do you want us to be? What do you want us to do? What do you want us to, what do you want us to be doing? What is your vision? As I, as I thought and prayed about it a lot, you know what word kept going through my mind? Healing. Healing. I, I don't necessarily mean physical, but I mean this. This is my vision for our church. There are children who every night have to hear their mother and father yell and scream at each other, and their little hearts are broken. 
And that heart needs healing. There are youth succumbing to peer pressure in the lives of this culture. And they're afraid. And their hearts need healing. There are, there are, are families that are this far away from just imploding. And they need healing. There are families that are spending money they don't have to buy things they don't want to impress people they don't like. And they need healing because there's something better. There, there are hearts that are afraid and broken, that, that are heavy under, under addiction or under depression or under not knowing Jesus Christ, that they need healing. The old, one of the old words the church used for preachers back in the day was a curate. Some churches still call clergy curates the cure of the soul. The cure of the soul is only Jesus Christ. When I began to think about what is our vision for the church, where do I see us going? I see us going to a world that is sick. Some of it's sin, some of it's culture, some of it whatever, and bringing the healing of Jesus Christ. Because here, see, here's the thing. The, there's people that need healing from religion. Because what our answer is to the brokenness quite often is this. Be a better person. I don't want you to be a better person. Bet you never thought you'd hear, hear your preacher say that, did you? I want you to love Jesus. Because here's the thing. If you just bow up and make yourself more moral, you can be a good person and hate others. You can be a good person and have a hard heart. You can be moral and not have the love of Jesus Christ in your life. I want you to love Jesus. Because if you love Jesus, he will take care of your actions. But you can do the right things and not love him and be what John Wesley called an orthodox devil. Believing right and acting like the devil. Only Jesus is healing, y'all. Where do we go from here? We heal each other. We proclaim Jesus' love to each other. In a world that is broken, to children that are afraid, to youth that are lost, to older adults looking for a reason to keep going, to families that are falling apart, we bring healing. We bring healing in everything we do. And that means, yes, we do have financial needs and gift needs and all these type things. But these things right here, your financial commitments and your ministry commitments that are in your bulletin and in front of you, we don't need these. God doesn't need these. He needs you. He needs you. Imagine, y'all, what would happen if he had all of us. Imagine. With all that he's done for us, how can we say no? <laughs> With all that he's done for us, how can we say no? May he have us all. Because if he has us all, oh, Oh, remember the old Dr. Seuss thing, the places you will go? 
Oh, if he has all of us, oh, the things he will do. Oh, the things he will do. Our, this is our response. We've been given so very much. How can we not respond? Let us pray.